0: Three times a week, The Right Time with Beaumont Jones podcast brings you the latest from technology, music, and the very best analysis of the games. Plus, they've got a community of friends, including Dominic Foxworth for Foxworth Fridays. That's The Right Time with Beaumont Jones, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. And Monday and Wednesday are also available on ESPN's YouTube channel. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing on Monday afternoon. Joining me from Los Angeles, California, where he's rarely been this season because he's been on Nets duty and Warriors duty on and off. But he's home right now. Om Young Masuk. How's it going?
1: Only home for a few more hours. And then I fly out to Golden State tonight for a couple games. Uh, They play the Pistons and then they play the Pacers.
0: And uh, you got some coffee to what is your what is your drink of choice? I, see.
1: I am a diehard coffee bean and tea leaf guy. Um, I will not go to Starbucks. I'm all about coffee bean. So they, you know, they have coffee bean out here in the West Coast a little bit. They have some in, I think, Arizona. Uh, I am surprised they don't have many in San Francisco. Uh, so I was a little surprised by that. But yeah, that's my they, they have, iced caramel have- coffee.
0: Yeah, they have them. Uh, they have them in LAX. As a matter of fact, I was just there yes. when I uh, saw it there. Joining us from Naples, Florida, where a, um, I asked Bobby how he was doing yesterday, Olm, and he sent me a photograph that he took out of his uh, front of his house, where there was a tornado visible from his yard. So, Bobby, I, Bobby Marks, our front office insider, I got to ask you, you know, everything okay down there in Naples?
2: Just a little chilly today, you know. I'm a I'm a true Floridian. You know, whenever it drops below seventy, I have sweatpants and a sweatshirt on. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, we had a uh, we had a, tor- a rare tornado in our literally in our backyard uh, yesterday. And uh, I don't, there's no basements in Florida, so you're not right. hiding in a basement. You're just I, I saw my neighbor yesterday. We are walking our dogs, and they said we had the dogs in a closet, and that's where we were. And uh, but yeah, we're we're safe. We're safe down here.
0: All right. Uh, that was, um, you know, I didn't know my emotions seeing that photo were interesting. I was like, well, it's it's an interesting photo because it's a photo of a funnel cloud. But um, One wonders if you can see a funnel cloud, whether you should be taking a photo of it or hiding from it. But, <laughs> hey, listen, you're, you're safe. Um, Bob, you've got a new project that I actually legitimately, I'm not even just saying it can't wait for it. can you tell us a little bit about it before we get going here
2: yeah so we have a show um called it's called the front office and we are going to we did we um, recorded episode one which is with kobe altman pre- the now president of basketball operations with the cleveland cavaliers so and one um, week he's been president i know and he's my f- uh first guest on uh, on our show and um you know, I, I, when I talked about it on the ep- first episode, it's not out yet, but you know, one of the things I do, Brian and Olm knows this is I've helped draft prospects prepare for their interviews. And basically we're kind of, we're kind of flipping the script a little bit here, where I'm asking the type of draft question, the the questions that draft prospects get to front office executives. And it's, it's less about why did you pick this player? Or why did you make this trade, but really kind of diving into that GM's personality a little bit. And the people who are behind the scenes, um, it brings out um, a different, a different perspective of Kobe that maybe a lot of people um, don't know about him. And uh, hopefully that's going to be out soon. And we're going to put one of these out uh, every week. And yeah, that's, uh, that's our new project there.
0: All right. Well, that's, uh, well, it's on ESPN. It's going to be on ESPN's NBA YouTube channel and keep an eye on your social media feeds for uh, letting you know, it's coming. Yep, that's where I'll be. Oh, um, we just talked about LAX. Did you know that Kobe Altman met his wife in line at a food vendor at LAX?
1: No way.
0: Yep. He, he really? Was, he was flying. He was on a scouting mission or something. And he was coming back to flight to Cleveland, and he and he, you know, he was flirting with this woman in in line. You know, he probably had Cavs gear on, Bobby. You know, what do you do? Oh, I'm um, assistant director of regional scouting. <laughs> <laughs> the cleveland Cavaliers, whatever his job was a long time ago oh his yeah dad, i think it was like enough.
2: personnel scout right like that yeah was yeah yeah he had like a
0: he had like a <laughs> low level front office job but he had but he had gear kobe or uh, uh bobby because you know that one thing you have you know it was we work for a team some guys get paid a lot some guys get paid nothing but everybody has gear
2: and he well, had we his gear. Do, we all do i mean and that's why like the funny story is when i got let go by the nets like i had no clothes Like (laughs) I had, I had had to put all my clothes. I'm not wearing Nets gear around the house. I had to, I had to bag up all my clothes. I gave it to Goodwill and I had to literally go out to store and buy, um, buy, uh, like a Nike and Adidas and generic polos. Right. We had, um,
0: Steve Clifford on the podcast, Zach Lowe and I did after, you know, after the finals and, you know, he's breaking down, you know, game one for us and everything. we could see him. It wasn't visual at the time, but we could see him. And he was wearing magic gear. Why, I mean, why, why wouldn't he, he have been fired by the magic? But I mean, that's what his gear is. you know. So, I mean, you know, he's not on public. Why throw it away?
1: Wait, uh, okay, so, so, I, so I need to know, Wendy, real quickly before we leave the, the Kobe. Did Kobe at least buy his future wife, whatever she was ordering in line?
0: Good question. <laughs> you know, good question. Um, I don't know. And I don't even know if she was from Cleveland. Uh, she might have been I'm assuming America. this is probably the
1: United terminal since he was flying back and forth from Cleveland.
0: Yes, I believe it was United flight um and uh I'm sure he remembers all of those things. But um yeah, I story. he's he's bought her quite a few meals since then. <laughs> um he just got a contract extension. He probably be better be buying her something else nice here pretty soon. Um okay, so uh we do talk about the NBA on here. I promise we'll we'll get to that. So we um, we had a, an eventful weekend in the NBA, not necessarily in a good way. A couple injuries and the big one, Ulm, uh, Kevin Durant. Um, I think you have to look at the bright side with this. I have seen this type of injury happen in the NBA a, a handful of times over the last ten years or so, where a guy falls backwards into another player, and it's a lot of times it seems like it's a teammate. It seems, like a, it seems like a common, friendly fire injury. And uh, Durant, this is the second time it's happened Durant in, in five years, uh, four or five years, had a similar injury um, in, when he was playing for the Warriors. Um, and at that time, I remember that's, uh, you know, he hasn't spoken about this injury yet. Um, but that time, I remember the initial diagnosis, they thought he might be done for the year. And then they got an MRI, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, this. And they said, okay, it's, It's only partially uh, torn and you can come back. And he did come back and they won the title. So Durant suffers a uh, sprained MCL again. Uh, I am not an orthopedist, but I do know from covering uh, knee injuries over the years that if you're going to sustain an injury to your knee, you want it to be the MCL because the MCL gets more blood flow than the ACL or uh, the other ligaments. And so if you have a partially torn MCL, which it sounds like what this is, I don't know for sure, but it sounds like it, um, it heals much faster because there's more blood flow. So um, this is a blow to the nets, but uh, Woj is telling us they're expecting four to six weeks, which is what you think of from like a a, a first, uh, first and a half degree um, sprain. So, um, you know, the Nets have not been playing great, but at least I guess they devoided disaster here.
1: Yeah, I mean, Kevin Durant was the one thing in a season full of disruptions that the Nets could count on. I mean, he was obviously having an MVP season. He was leading the league in scoring. I believe the last guy to average, I think something like KD was averaging 29, 9, and 5, or 29, 7, and 5, I believe, something like that. And I think the last guy to average that was Giannis, and he won MVP that season. So um, if there are silver linings in this uh, for the Nets, I would probably say um, this allows Kyrie and Harden to, uh, I guess, develop a little more chemistry together because 11, starting on Monday, 11 of the next 14 games for the Nets are on the road. So Kyrie will be playing. That's an important thing
0: to point out. So actually, they are playing right now. Yeah. um, As we're recording this pod, they're playing um, the Cavs in Cleveland right now. Um, so next 14 games, which is roughly three weeks, three weeks, four and three and a half weeks, eleven of those fourteen will be with Kyrie in theory.
1: That so that softens cool the blow a little bit. Um, and last season the Nets were 16 and 3 in games that Harden and Kyrie played without Durant. So you know that they can win without him. But when they go to the home games and they don't have Kyrie, and this has been the thing about the Nets, they were just starting to kind of maybe. I don't even know if you can say get used to this weird situation of having two different teams, one on the road and one at home, but perhaps they were starting to maybe get into a little bit of a flow for that. And now it's totally disrupted again. Um, The other silver lining, obviously other than Kevin, being able to recover from this and having time and maybe the rest will do his body even better because he was playing heavy minutes is that maybe the nets will get a little bit of a lower seed here. And if this continues into the playoffs where Kyrie can only play in road games, this would technically theoretically benefit the nets because then you would have a potential game seven
2: on the road and you would have Kyrie.
0: That's a crazy thing to say, Bobby, but like it is in this crazy scenario, I guess technically almost making a point.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, this is as much parody, right. In this, Probably in the in the league in general, where you can make an argument that ten teams could probably win it. I mean, the East is so wide open. If you know, what's the difference if you're if you're the four seed or if you're the one seed here? Especially if you're you're gonna you know start uh, you know if you if you do second round is you're on the road and you have Kyrie and we'll see what happens when we get to the uh, we get to the spring. I think the interesting thing where Brooklyn is, especially with Kyrie and, and Harden together, is like we haven't gotten anything from Paul Millsap. Right. I mean, he's been out personal reasons. It hasn't played much. Blake kind of a shell of himself. Um, Aldridge has been, was good. And then he's been injured of late. claxon has been out. Uh, James Johnson's been in and out. And it's like, I think you'd have a little more comfort level from your bigs. If you know, two of those guys are going to kind of step in. I mean, They've gotten great production from Dayron Sharp, who's been tremendous, you know, the last couple of weeks here. And I think what, what it's setting up with and why I'm bringing it up is that Brooklyn's going to have an interesting decision with one of these veterans here, whether it be Blake or, be, or Paul Millsap, because two-way players are not eligible to play in the playoffs. And you're looking at guys like Kessler Edwards, who had, has started before, has played well. Uh, David Duke has started, has played well, and I know they're going to want to find a role for them on their 15-man roster. So who's going to be the odd man out here, right? Is it going to be Millsap? Is it going to be Blake to kind of create a roster spot for one of these two players? So
0: let me say this to you, Bobby. Um, you mentioned De'Ron Sharp. So there's been some chatter through a couple of teams that I talked to that the Nets have dipped in their toe into the trade market for Nick Claxton. In other words, maybe thinking about trading him. Now this, when I say this, and I know that I'll get aggregated for saying it, but I know this would surprise some people because they would say this guy is really valuable defensively. Um, He's very active. He's been out recently with a hamstring injury, Um, but he's a free agent. And Bobby, how much over the uh, luxury tax are they? A lot. (laughs) <laughs> I, mean, <a laughs> like lot. Like, yeah, I mean, like it's like, yeah, it's like, um, it's a hundred it, million and it's only going to go.
2: It's only going to go up. I mean, we'll see what happens with Harden and Kyrie, certainly with their numbers. It's only, it's only going up. Um, so yeah, he's a restricted free agent. And as I said, like you can't pay everyone, right? Like So it, it,
0: if they think that Sharp, who's the rookie, he's a rookie from North Carolina. Uh, mm-hmm. if they think Sharp can, can be effective in that role at center, I, I, th- I think there's a possibility that they could look at doing something with Nick Claxton before the deadline, which maybe can address what, you know, what they've got right now, because they don't want to lose him for nothing. Or maybe they would look to use a, get a pick because they may do that. But that's one thing to watch. I think for sure. The other thing I would say to, I mean, I'm not saying they're sure they're going to do it, but I heard from two different teams independently that, um, that there was some just feeling out of the market there the other thing is that I just read a story that Olm wrote November 29th um, that Joe Harris had gone that undergone left ankle surgery, and I believe Olm's uh, story said that he was out 48 weeks. Well, it's not going to be four weeks. We're yeah. already at seven weeks. I do believe he is traveling with the team on this trip, so he may be getting closer. But you know that is already dragging. Um, that has already gone to the back end of that um, of that recovery timeline, which I guess is worrisome. But on the other hand, I guess they're hoping to get him back soon, Ohm. So getting him back would be helpful as well, not that you can replace Kevin Durant. But, you know, the the Nets are in need of that outside shooting, quite frankly, to stretch the floor a little bit for Harris to get back.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Joe Harris' return would be huge for them so that he could at least spread the floor because with Kevin Durant, I mean, yes, a lot of his game is in the mid-range, but you had to respect every every second Kevin Durant was on the court. So he would obviously help and maybe benefit from Kyrie Irving as well. Because now, you know, when Joe Harris was with the team, uh, they didn't have somebody who could really outside of Harden create by driving and kicking and things like that. So Joe Harris would would benefit. But I think recently, you know, his 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 rehab has taken longer than expected for the Nets. And I think they want to be closer to that. I will say this about Nick Claxton. The thing they like about Nick Claxton is that he's an athletic center who, right. you know, at first they were like, oh, Harden could have a lob guy inside in Nick Claxton. Then Claxton gets hurt. He comes back. Kyrie and Claxton and Harden look like they can they start to find him and they're starting to develop a little chemistry there. De'Ron Sharp is a really good rebounder. I'm not quite sure if he's going to be the same type of lob type of element for them, but. I certainly understand the predicament the Nets are in. I think they, you're right. You've got these veteran power forwards and Blake Griffin and Paul Millsap, who, you know, at both at various times of the season have kind of looked like, you know, they are well, well, well past their prime. Um, Blake started to have a little bit, like he started to look a little bit more spry and fresh after they weren't using him for a long stretch. Um, So I think he's probably the bigger candidate to contribute than Millsap. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting if they, if they were to move Claxton, you know, that does that take away whoever they would get back? They, I, I still think the Nets need to get more athletic. You
2: know, what's interesting guys too, is that when Brooklyn sent out the press release on Durant, that there was no timeline. Right. And I wonder if that's going to be the kind of the thing going forward where you put, you know, Hey, you put it. And I don't know, did, was there a timeline when they did the Joe Harris, um, press release?
1: Uh, the initial press was, I, I believe there was. Yeah. Yeah, And I so. wonder if,
2: if that's the reason why there's no time like now, because, Hey, we get to f- Brooklyn's says four to six weeks on Kevin Durant and we're at week six and we're like, well, what the heck's going on right now? I right, wonder right. if that's going to be the thing now. It's like the hockey approach, right? Mm-hmm. Like upper body injury. <laughs> <Right>?
1: well, <laughs> well, it's funny because I think the trend we've seen is that teams tend to say we'll be reevaluated in like, you know, four weeks or eight weeks or whatever, and reevaluate it almost just kind of means nothing. You know what I mean? Like, with that just means we're going to give you another update in like eight weeks of basically like, oh, we're going to give you another update then of that. He's out for a little bit longer or something like that, you know? Well,
0: he, you know, he did have a similar injury a few years ago, and it was four to six weeks then. So I think we might have jumped to that conclusion, even if they didn't say it. I'm referring to, bobby mark's trade guide which um went uh, on to espn.com last week and if you um have some time you should look at this because you will impress your friends with all the stuff that's in the (laughs) trade guide the nets are a hundred and their current tax projection is 110 million dollars just tax so um as they make decisions in the coming uh days here Keep keep in mind that it's one hundred and ten million dollars <laughs> um, that they're paying well, in just yeah. in tax.
2: Yeah. I mean, and because I, I put an example in there, they've got these trade exceptions, right? They from the Dinwiddie eleven point three, I think. And like if you go out and get a player that's making six million dollars, it's going to cost you another forty five, fifty million dollars in luxury tax penalty. And I've been there. 2014 i still got the trophy for the largest tax <laughs> bill in and uh, which is peanuts now i think it was 98 million back then like i think the clippers are at like 94 and they're third highest so that's right i don't i mean like i know all these guys have a, owners have a lot billions but when you say on august 3rd the nba sends you wiring instructions and said you got to wire 100 and whatever 40 million it still hurts a little bit There they huh? want it all at one you. time
0: huh Oh, yeah,
2: this is not college. We are not paying (laughs) for college here. It's all one time.
1: What is that? (laughs) What is that like, Bobby, when you go and ask the owner to cut a check for that much?
2: (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny. I mean, just going back to to that 2014 season, I've said it before, you know, we had an opportunity to get Jordan Hill in a trade at the deadline. It was going to cost us an extra 40 million. Prokhorov signed off on it. And really, we asked, you know, Jason Kidd was our coach. And we said to Jason, if we get him, will you play him? Like you can't get him. And then just all of a sudden he's like your 10th man. And Jason said, you know what? I don't know how he was going to fit in the rotation. And we didn't do the deal because it, it I mean, come on, you know, it's like another toy to the toy box. It's like you spend right. $40 million on a guy who's going to play five, uh, five, uh, <laughs> five minutes. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense.
0: I miss Prokhorov so much. I could only imagine some of the stuff that you got to witness, but just the to- the few times I was around him, I cherished them. <laughs> uh you know uh he he did have a very he was always kind of smiling but he was it was a I don't know how you felt about Bobby but it, it um it always uh it made me uneasy even though he he had wasn't my boss even though he was smiling <laughs> but I'll never forget I was there the night that um, the day that Avery Johnson got fired yeah. and somebody asked him um when he made the, it, this was like maybe uh a tuesday i just yeah. don't know right, right, right around
2: christmas yeah
0: yeah it was maybe like a tuesday and um somebody just asked sort of a, a sort of a throwaway question they said um when did you decide that you wanted to fire avery and he goes saturday and uh we slept sat there for a second and uh they were like uh well saturday how why did you wait three days and he goes well i was in the Canadian Rockies and the fresh powder was up to here, and he like held his his uh, hand up like to his shoulder, which was you know six and a half feet off the ground. And he's like, you know, he basically was like, I decided I wanted to fire him a few days ago, but the but the snow was so good in you know in Bam or whatever wherever he was hella skiing that he's like, yeah, I'll let him I'll let him have the job for a few more days. And I mean, it's not really it's funny now. I mean, I feel bad for Avery. Avery's a uh, you know his acquaintance. I like him a lot, but. um you know, that's a funny story. But at the same time, you know, when you have an oligarch, you know, who can <laughs> off with your head at any time, it's still disconcerting. But um
1: well, but you, you remember, know, Wendy, the, the famous Prokhorov quote and B. Marks definitely can remember this. Carmelo, when, Carmelo, this I, one was well, I rewound
0: the- <laughs> it like six times and kept watching it because I kept couldn't stop laughing.
1: Well, remember, there was the one when, where Jason Kidd yeah. was returning and Prokhorov yeah. was talking about it for the first time. And he said, and I won't do it in a bad Russian accent, but he said, there's an old English proverb. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, there was a few like words yeah. missing, which made it all the more terrifying. <laughs> um, but I just remember and I will do a bad Russian accent um, when uh, the meeting with there was going to be the meeting with Carmelo Anthony, where they were yeah. going to try to talk Carmelo. You guys were going to try to talk Carmelo into, into saying I, I will I will go to the Nets not the Knicks. That's right. I'm sorry if this is is this PTSD, Bobby. I'm so no, sorry. and
2: it's one of the few times when you, you were like you know you're not really allowed to talk to players, and you know Denver right. had given us permission to talk to Carmelo, which right. is totally rare. I'll tell you one thing with the the one thing I that they the, the two um, Prokhorov and Dimitri Rasman the one thing they did like the trade machine. They love that ESPN. (laughs) We would come because at a time difference, we would come in at like eight in the morning, and Billy King would have like printouts of like proposals (laughs) on the on the ESPN ESPN trade machine. Oh man!
0: (laughs) So it's it's the middle of a press conference. I can't remember. I I think he just called this press conference just to to say this basically, and there was supposed to be this meeting that Carmelo was was going to have.
2: It was in DC. Okay, the meeting
0: was supposed to be in DC. Yep. Or was it was a press conference in D.C. I can't. The,
2: meet- the meeting was in D.C. The press conference was in Newark at the Prudential okay. Center.
0: Right, but the, but the meeting never happened because I don't remember why he got pissed off. But Prokhorov just says the meeting with Carmelo is by canceled. <laughs> <laughs> and if I'm not mistaken, I think I think Carmelo. I think that's when they found out it was canceled. It's like
2: it was, in fact, here by King. And, and I remember marriage. walking out of the meeting with Billy King in Procter office in front of us, and I said to Billy, I'm "Like, are we really out of this? You know, out of the Carmel?" He goes, "No."
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, oh man! There's some stories that I heard about Procter, oh, that man. I can't tell And I can only. Oh, I can't say.
2: Hey, I signed a non-disclosure. <laughs> All right, good.
0: Yes, it, it, they have uh, they have their own ways of doing non-disclosure. In yeah. Russia. <laughs> Um, all right. So that's a, it's a setback for the nets, but you know, hopefully he's back. I mean, one thing about Durant, he's had a handful of serious injuries in his career. He had the Jones fracture. He had the Achilles. He's had a couple of these couple of knee things, but he always comes back. Awesome.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He comes back from injuries like no one I've ever seen. And so like, if you're, you know, I, I feel bad. He got hurt, but I, maybe this is foolish. I expect him to be, Totally fine by like March, and to avoid that major injury on a free play like that, I think that you know it'll be hard for the Nets in the short term. But um, another injury that came out um, this weekend that really had made me stop short, and I don't know what to make of it yet. Um, the Warriors announcing this injury with Draymond Green. So the day that clay Thompson returned a week and plus ago was Sunday. Um, Draymond was warming up, getting ready for that game. But obviously, a really exciting game against the Cavs, a Sunday afternoon, evening. And uh, you were there, right, On Yeah, I was. And what did they say that night?
1: Uh, that night, they had said that, and it would happen like, like maybe not even two minutes before they were going to announce the uh, starting lineup, uh, that Draymond was out due to a calf injury that he had tweaked in the pregame warmup. And that basically he was going to start and go through the the starting lineup right, and be yeah. on the court because right. it was Clay's return and he wanted to honor that. And so we saw him on the court. We saw him on the starting lineup and then he fouls. He, he does a foul right away and then comes out. So we were thinking, OK, it's just it's just a tweak and that he wouldn't be on the road trip, at least for the first couple of games, but could join them. But then all of a sudden he wasn't on the entire road trip.
0: So was there any reports or anything that you knew of that Draymond was having issues with his back before that?
1: No. So he had just come back um, out of health and safety protocols. And he he was in a really, really good mood um, because he was excited that Clay was coming back to the point where um, the day before Clay returned, there was a practice and they had a scrimmage. And Draymond had told Mark Spears that he couldn't sleep the night before and he felt like almost like currents of electricity were jolting through his body because he was so excited. That he was finally going to get back on the floor with clay, just in the scrimmage because when clay scrimmaged with the team in Denver, when the warriors had their game postponed due to COVID, they were stuck in Denver. So they decided to have a scrimmage. Draymond wasn't there. So clay scrimmaged with the rest of the team. So this was going to be Draymond's first time back on the floor again with clay. So he was so excited. So we didn't see – there was no hint of anything kind of really nagging him because I saw him at shoot-around, I think, uh, the game before that, and the guy was like, you know, he was basically almost ready to just sprint off the floor. He was in such a good mood, and then he stopped and talked to everybody because he had just gotten out of of protocol, so he was happy to see everybody.
0: Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom – So here's the thing. The Warriors announced that he the calf injury was related to a disc issue in his back. Now, I am definitely not a neurologist, but Bobby, that doesn't sound good. And the other thing that they said was that he had an MRI on his back that night, the night he hurt his calf. So they knew to go to the back. So that makes me wonder what's going on. And Steve Kerr, um, a man whose life was derailed by a back injury, I'd like to point out. I'm sure he never talks about back injuries without having a shiver down that spine. Said, you know, this is just out of precaution. He's going to have physical therapy for a few weeks. But this concerns me, Bobby, especially because we have seen that since Draymond has been out, the Warriors have not been anywhere near the same defensively. What the Milwaukee Bucks did to the warriors and granted it was just one game in january i'm not going to overreact to it but like the whippings that that uh, that they took that night i mean that was very worrisome and this is a back issue a disc issue uh, bobby this is a this is something i really think it's important to monitor
2: yeah i mean they're they're one in three um as of monday in the games he's out and they're they're giving up close to 120 points right and i'm, I'm looking through his, his injury history right now i mean he's missed only one game in his career because of a back, which was in 2020. Um, You know, the calf, this is a, this is a, this is a new one. You know, this is a new injury as far as they're you know, for, for the calf. And it's almost like, I mean, although they haven't been in the, the playoffs the last couple of years, like, I mean, there's a lot of wear and tear. There's a lot of miles there, you know, like it's, and that's when you have a calf, and a, the back is concerning. That I mean, that's the big thing as far as where that's because that can linger for uh, for a long time here.
0: Well, again, I'm not a doctor, but if there's something hurting in his calf related to an injury in his back, that sounds like a nerve thing. So that's worrisome. You know, they have a very favorable schedule coming up here they have a long homestand starting seven um, games yeah is it seven games yeah starting tuesday and then um and then they play on the road but the road games are at houston and at san antonio and then they place i mean listen to their schedule <laughs> listen to their schedule home against detroit indiana houston utah okay there's a tough one dallas semi-tough minnesota nets okay then at Houston, at San Antonio, then SAC, then at Oklahoma City. That's a stretch where I could see them feasting. Um, so I'm not, like, worried about where they're going to get because they are now three games behind the the Suns and the standings. Okay, whatever. I'm just more worried about Draymond. They need Draymond, like, as, as much firepower as they have. Draymond's their linchpin, always has been.
1: And. Well. Well, Wendy, really... not, it's not just the defense. I mean, they are uh, you know, until they scored, what, 138 against the Bulls or something like that, their offense had been struggling. There was a stretch where they were like, you know, at, they lost at Dallas, they scored 82 points. Uh, they lost at New Orleans without Steph that night and without Draymond, they scored 96. But they, this is not the Warriors t- offense that we were used to seeing earlier in the season, these last maybe like, you know, five games or so. Uh, you know, defenses have really been locking in on Steph, and they just, uh, you know, I, Draymond obviously is the guy that frees them all up with all those screens. He does so much for that team. Clay even said it Clay said, I can't wait to play with him because he does so many things for me to free me up. So, uh, it, it just impacts them on both sides of the floor.
0: Yeah. So that's definitely something to, uh, to keep a close eye on. Um, the other thing is that, um, Miles Turner. Now, there may be an update before we have this podcast post. I'm a little bit behind here, but Miles Turner seeking multiple opinions on a foot injury. Um he the team is in LA and he's with the team and so he was seeing a second opinion. Um this kind of came at least as far as I know out of nowhere. But the reason that's interesting is that Miles Turner is one of the bigger names in the trade market. Bobby there's like A handful of teams are interested in trading for him, and so in addition to the the Pacers' outlook, there's a bunch of teams out there who maybe have made offers or are thinking of making offers for Miles Turner, who are waiting to hear on those results in the next day or two.
2: Guy, he missed 18 games last year for a right foot, right? So bigs and feet are, you know, kind of a little bit of a warning, uh, a warning sign there. And yeah, I mean, we've seen it in Indiana's games of late when he, him, and Sabonis are playing; they've almost feels like almost like Rick Carlisle has almost like staggered their minutes a little bit where they're not playing with each other as much and I think if you look at where Indiana is and they're not going to probably make the even the play in is that if you had a pecking order as far as trade candidates who's going to be gone it would have been you know before this injury Turner LaVert and then probably on the outside would be um would be Sabonis here and now we'll see what happens with the, with this foot and if there's anything lingering here then yeah i'm not if i'm a team interested in him i know he's got um another year left on his contract but i'm not i'm not at least offering anything of true value right well that's
0: the thing not only if you're trading for turner um so i don't know if i'm going to say what i've heard but i've kind of been surprised what the well i'm just going to stop right there um uh but turner is obviously a guy who's extension eligible bobby So if he goes to a place that especially they give up something and he's like going to be their center of the short-term future, I would think he'd be looking for an extension. So that when you, when you trade for a guy like this, you're figuring on you're going to pay him. uh, I would think so that, you know, that is a factor in all this as well. And, you know, not that that, not that it's, you know, obviously you don't want the guy to be hurt, but not that it's going to affect the Pacers, but it may affect the team that was interested in going for him. So, um, that's a big report too. We're waiting on hearing lots of stuff. Sort of bubbled bo- bubbled up over the weekend. It was very disconcerting. I felt. Um, so, Oh, um, we're waiting on another injury situation that I think could have significant consequences, and that's Paul George. So, it's another story that you wrote about an injured player. Um, the he has a a, a torn uh, UCL in his elbow. Is this his right elbow or his left elbow? This is yeah. shooting elbow. Shooting elbow. Right yeah. elbow. Um, this is the injury. If I'm not mistaken, I keep sounding like a doctor. I'm not at all. This is the injury that when a baseball pitcher has it, he has Tommy John surgery, um, where they go get a limp, ligament from like your leg and bring it up. Um, uh, Paul George isn't going to be throwing any pitches anytime soon. So he doesn't, isn't going to need Tommy John surgery. I don't think, well, maybe he will. I don't know. So, um, wh- what do we know about where Paul George is? And let's, after you give us the update, let's talk about what the Clippers are looking at here.
1: So Paul George, uh, when this the injury news was was uh, revealed on Christmas, uh, Christmas Day, the Clippers said they would give it a three to four week period to heal before it's reevaluated again. So this weekend, this past weekend that we just went through was three weeks, and this morning I asked Hailu Lou, um, you know, is there any update on Paul George? And he said, not not one that we're ready to give. <laughs> so that's not encouraging. That sounds exciting. Yeah. Um, P.G., I think what what the Clippers were looking at is they they he came. He had an elbow issue early in the season. He was out for about two to three weeks and felt good and then came back. And then they played him in a couple games. I think it got banged or whatever. But there was a game at Portland where basically he came out of it and started feeling a little pain. And so they checked it up again. And that's when they found this. This injury. And so their thing is, let's let it heal and see how much it heals over basically a month before we determine the next course of action, which could be potentially surgery. Um, and so the hope is that it's surgery going would be to season ending. Yeah, I would think so, especially at this point, um, and especially with where the Clippers are. This obviously dramatically changed their outlook on the season before he got hurt. They were looking at, hey, we're going to make the playoffs, hope that Kawhi comes back. Kawhi still rehabbing. And, you know, by all indications, many people have thought he's, he's ahead of schedule, but if Paul George now does not come back this season, if the Clippers fall out of the playoff race, I believe entering today, they were just outside the eighth spot hanging about two games. uh, As
0: we speak right now, they were playing later tonight in Denver, but as we speak right now, well, pretty much the whole league is playing. So you're going to have to forgive us on not being up to date. God knows what will happen in tonight's games. It'll make us everything we're saying obsolete, but. That's life. Yeah. Um uh they are they are in ninth place, but they're three games ahead of 10th place Portland and uh four ahead of eleventh place sack. So they're in play-in position right now. I mean they're yeah. they're they're in okay position, but
1: they play they play Indiana today. Um and, and so like you Denver- know, look or no, no, they're playing the Pacers at home. They play, so they play Denver on Wednesday. You
0: are, I think. You are right. I apologize to you um, from, the, from the bottom of my heart. No,
1: it's okay. But, but listen, I think with Ty Lu, what we've seen and known is that he gets the most out of whatever he has. So I fully expect the Clippers to hang around in the playoff race so that if Paul George, if there is a chance he can come back the season, he would. And then that obviously would bolster the chances of, of a possible return from Kawhi later on well, as well.
0: Bobby, this is why I'm bringing this up.
1: They I know why. need to
0: hang around, Bobby. <laughs> Because they don't have their draft pick. Yep. And this is – so we don't know with Kawhi. Uh, Chris Haynes on TNT uh, last week, I believe, said that Kawhi was ahead of schedule. But I I mean, I'm maybe that's true. I respect Chris, but the schedule exists. The the, the schedule is Kawhi's schedule. I mean, you talk to people at the Clippers. That's what – you talk to people with the Clippers and they say – we are encouraged. We see him working. We're, we're, we're happy about his progress. It is Kawhi's schedule. Um, so, um, I don't know what's going to happen there, but their pick goes to Oklahoma city unprotected and it's not a swap year. You know, uh, they have the picks and then every other year then the thunder can swap. So it's one thing if you end up, if the thunder end up with the, um, let's say you get lucky, quote-unquote, lucky in the lottery, and you get to fourth if you're the Clippers. Let's say you miss the playoffs and you get to fourth, and the Thunder, like last year, are like in sixth. Okay, you lose the fourth pick, but you're swapping with the Thunder who are going to have a high pick. But this year, it's not a swap. They get the pick straight away. And so the Clippers need, you know, even if Paul George and Kawhi are done for the year, the Clippers got to go for it, right, Bobby? I mean, this is the reality of the, the Kawhi trade.
2: Yeah, you're not playing for draft position. And I, I remember when in 2019, that July morning when all, you know, when they ag- agreed to the, the Paul George trade and Cole I was coming. And I, I remember having a conversation with you know Lawrence Frank, who who's their president. And we were we were joking because I, you know, he said, Well, we gave more in, in the Oklahoma City deal because more than what you guys gave in the, the Pierce Garnett deal. In 2014, and I and we were laughing. And I said, Well, yeah, you have Paul George and Kawhi. We have an older, we had an older Garnett and Pierce and And you know, Jason so, Terry. Yeah. And me, and Jason <laughs> Terry. Um, so like that was there was an ins- assurance that hey, you have two bona fide all NBA players, and I think it just shows you how things can change, right? I mean, things can change awfully quick where you think those two players are going to be there and that you're not worried about giving up a lottery pick because of even though Kawhi was going to potentially be a free agent. um, Now the chances are because you've got Kawhi out, you got Paul out. I don't know when we'll see Kawhi. What do we, what is he about six months out from having that, that ACL surgery? Um,
1: Yeah. That that was in the second round last year.
2: Yeah. So I think I, I I think they'll hang around to that like nine, 10 area just because like, I don't trust any of those, Sacramento, New Orleans, San Antonio, like that group there to make that jump into the 10. But like you losing the lottery, I mean, you in the play in, then you go into the lottery and who the heck knows if you're sitting at nine or 10 going into the, um, you know, into the lottery. Like, m- can you imagine if that's the way that Oklahoma City gets the number one, the, the, that number one pick they've been waiting for, for, um, for a long time?
1: Could you just believe that that would be such the Clippers' luck that the year that they win the lottery, you know, they don't have their own pick. You know, it had they if they had their own pick and they win the lottery, it would probably be some Oliva Candy type of a dude who'd be who would be there for them. <laughs> but like you know, then they would lose it to Oklahoma City. I mean, that would be amazing. I look look when this injury happened, I remember talking to someone in the Clippers who said that this doesn't make us sellers right now because. The core group that we have right now around this team is still what we want around the team next season when we have – Kawhi and PG fully healthy, and we're still going for it. So, I mean, could they end up trying to trade a Serge Ibaka at the trade deadline, or maybe even a Marcus Morris if a good deal comes along? Yeah, I don't. I think they're going to listen for sure. Um, but I think that the young group, the young guys that they have, like the the Terrence Manns of the world, they want to see develop a little bit more, and they want to. I think my what I got was when Paul George went down, was that they were not going to be you know we're selling everybody at the uh, trade deadline.
0: Well, they can't sell. I mean, they can sell, I guess, but it doesn't help them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, although, again, let me refer to my Bobby Mark's trade guide. The Clippers are thirty-two million dollars over the tax and expect uh, over the line and expected to pay ninety-four million dollar tax bill. Um, Bobby is suggesting that uh, no matter what, that the Clippers trade Serge Ibaka, who makes nine point three million this year they trade them to the, to the thunder who are 20 million below the floor um, uh, to just ease that tax burden. I mean, the guy's worth like $80 billion, the owner, but you know, it's another 30 or 40 million is 30 or 40 million. But like the, I don't, I mean, I don't think selling is even, it doesn't even behoove you. I think Bobby, you, any deal you're making is to help you for next year probably.
2: Yeah, well, then that's the thing too, because eventually like, As almost saying, like, you know, maybe there's a Marcus Morris trade, like, eventually, Paul and Kwai are going to be coming back, right? So, you need to have the Luke Kennards of the world, and you need to have, like, I know that it's one thing to have your young players develop, which is great, but you still need to have the Reggie Jacksons. We'll see what happens with Bledsoe. He's got a partial guarantee this offseason. You still need to have a good group of core guys. So, Steve Ballmer is worth a lot of money, right? A ton of money. So what's 40 million to him? If it, as far as to, to save towards the luxury tax, he might say, you know what? I'm comfortable. I, this is this, I'm comfortable where we are at paying $94 million in the tax. We'll roll with this. If it's not going to, you know, I don't want to trade second round picks. Like I'm not in, in the position to trade second round picks to save, you know, 30 to 40 million dollars.
0: I'll never forget Ramona Shelburne. She did that great 30 for 30 podcast episode, the Sterling tapes. Um, And she was talking about in there about the meeting that Balmer had with Donald Sterling, even though Donald's wife, Shelly negotiated the sale. Uh, I love the negotiation, the negotiation. I can't remember what he offered. I think he offered like 1.7. Like this is like literally how it went. He was on the phone with her and he goes, "Uh, how about 1.7? She goes, no two. And he goes, OK, too, like he he raises offer for 300 million, in like a mad like a minute. Um, but then they actually had to have a meeting between Donald Sterling and Ballmer. And, Ster- and Sterling says to him, according to Ramona. I mean, Shelly Sterling sat for an interview. So <laughs> I, I like Ramona's accuracy here. Um, sh- uh, Donald Sterling goes to Steve Ballmer. Do you really have two billion dollars in cash? Because he was writing him a check. He, he just he gave him two billion uh, personal personal. Um, I'm sure it was a wire transfer, but and Steve was like, yeah, I got it. And it blew Sterling's mind that somebody would have two billion because Sterling was a guy who always bought stuff. He never had cash. He always like, uh, you know, bought bought more buildings. But um, I just love that you really have two billion dollars. Yeah, I got it. Here it is right here. Um, so I guess when you're talking about somebody like that, and by the way, he's like his net worth has like tripled since then. So. Uh, I guess you're talking to somebody who's dealing with that, you know, it changes your viewpoint, but still 40 million is 40 million, but, um, the Clippers are in a precarious position. And if you were, if you're i I'm sure the Thunder fans have already been watching very closely, but I could only imagine when that report came out. Um, I think it was from the bleacher report, Jake Fisher, who said that, you know, Paul George might be truly done for the year. I could only imagine the reaction that drew in the Oklahoma city front office. So, um, before we go here, uh, Bobby, as I read through your trade guide, which again, it was thousands and thousands of words long, but like absolutely 100% makes you smarter. And I'm going to be talking about it for the next three weeks. Um, and it's all available for you to read. You can sound uh, you can sound smart. Um, several places in there, you were talking about the feasibility and possibility of a Jeremy Grant trade. Um a lot of the reason Jeremy Grant's interesting is that not only because he's one of the potentially uh, most talented players available in the market, but because teams that are contenders are interested in him. Um, I think it's maybe a similar situation to last year when the magic traded Aaron Gordon uh, to the nuggets. That was a trade that potentially could have changed the balance of power where a, a very good contending team gets a versatile defender um, so let me ask you this before we talk about what, um, what, where he might, what it might look like for his market. Should the Pistons trade Jeremy Grant?
2: I think they should. I, I think where they are, you know, um, with Sadiq Bay and that group, you know, I think he's kind of your forward of the future here. Um, Grant is out with an injury um, if you don't do anything now, then he basically goes into a walk year on an expiring. Um, I think he players, um, that, have he's got two years left. I think that has a little more value. So I, I do think, uh, I, you know, I think is probably his value. I think his value was a lot higher last trade deadline. I mean, last trade deadline, he was, you know, basically he was playing like an all-star level has not played as has not played as well this um uh, this year. So, yeah, I, I I do believe just because you're in a position where there's not many sellers, right? So, you've got something that a lot of teams want and I think you can probably maximize it more now compared to uh compared to the off season.
0: If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is, all the lift big, get big and beach body ready in 3 weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting and starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you wanna be, Peloton encourages you to just start with thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can. Even if that's just a 10 minute low impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30 minute live deep j ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at OnePeloton.com bike slash rentals. Terms apply. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, Grand Salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So, um, where do you think Jeremy Grant might go if indeed the Pistons come to that conclusion?
1: Well, I think he would help the Lakers, um, you know, certainly. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, look, the last time Jeremy Grant was on a winning team was in Denver, and he played so well in that role that when he left and I think the nuggets were surprised that he left because they were just like, wait a minute, you know, we had a good thing going here. We loved having you, but Jeremy wanted a bigger role. He wanted to be the guy on another team. That's why he went to Detroit. Um, and then, you know, obviously he just injuries and, and, and they're rebuilding the his, he was yeah, but he hasn't been around that much. I mean, it feels like he's always hurt or there's always something going on. Um, But I mean, like, the Nuggets loved him so much and missed him so much. That's part of the reason I think they went out and got Aaron Gordon, you know? Um, and so if Jeremy Grant is willing to kind of go back to a contender and be a role player again, there's so many things he can help with. I mean, what he helped the Nuggets so much was with that energy, his versatility, his defense, his offense was even pretty good at times because obviously Jokic opened up so many things for him. Um you know, I don't think he solves everything, the issues that the Lakers have, but certainly he's a guy that the Lakers need another guy. who's who's got length, who's got athleticism, who can defend, who's going to be an energy player. All the things that magic Johnson wanted to see the other night.
0: Bobby, who's, I don't think the Lakers are legitimately in the running. Who, who is in the running? Do you think? I mean, I think, I
2: I think Utah would love to have him, but I don't see how, what, you know, as you say, like you got to buy to sell. So like, Joe Ingalls, you know, Bogdanovic, Royce O'Neill, Those are your kind of mix of guys there. They've got draft picks that are going out in multiple different deals. One to um, one to Memphis and they've got one to Oklahoma city. So I think the, the earliest they can trade one is, is in like 26. I had in the trade guide, I had Memphis down. Yeah. You know, just because that one was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Just because the Grizzlies, I think Memphis is a great story. I, I don't, And I, and they're a top four team. I don't think they're a championship team right now. Um, Just because they've got so many young players and I kind of get a little bit nervous when this game slows down kind of, you know, besides Ja, who's going to be that next guy. And I'm not saying Jeremy grants the next guy, but when you have expiring contracts and Kyle Anderson and Jarrett Culver, well, I
0: will tell you in the trade guide, the trade that you suggested for Memphis. Kyle Anderson, Brandon Clark, Jared Culver, a, 2020, 20, a 2022 first and a 2024 first for Jeremy Grant, Rodney Magruder, and Luke Garza. I'm sure that's to balance out the trade now uh, that Magruder has been returned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you actually picks, put this story out, Magruder. I, I think piston, Magruder was in a, a piston, piston. And then I think I he was back to,
2: to <laughs> back to being a piston. And the picks that, you know, the, the 22 pick is a um, – is the first from, I think that's the first from uh, Utah, uh, Utah, and then 24 is golden state is the Iguodala one. I want to say. Um, so the, you know, the first aren't yours. So it might be a little rich. Certainly when you get Clark and, and Anderson, but man, I mean, Memphis, they check all the boxes as far as what you have. Expiring contracts, young players, draft picks, your own other teams um, to go out and, and do a deal if they want to. And it wouldn't, Deplete them, you know, as much as it maybe another team would.
1: That would be a hell of a deal for the Pistons. I mean, two first round picks. You know, the one thing I would say from Detroit's standpoint is that it is hard for a team like Detroit to to find someone who wants to be there and wants to play there and who came there. Um, so, you know, from that standpoint, that would be difficult. But that's a hard trade to turn down if you're getting that many young players and two first round picks.
2: Yeah, is I mean, uh, eligible. You get him and, you know, you'll wait your six months. He's out, you know, four years, 113 is the max you can offer him an extension going into a walk year. So,
0: yeah, um, you know, Memphis loves to draft and they have potentially three picks in this draft, I believe. But if you go to take the next level, you know, I don't know if you need more prospects. So um, that was a very interesting one to me. Uh, Before we go, Bobby, because Olm brought up the Lakers, if you were the Rockets, and you had John Wall, mm-hmm. and there was a call about trading Westbrook for Wall, and I don't think that Westbrook would play for the Rockets again. I think they would release him. They'd either buy him out or just waive him. What would you require? Because their salaries are roughly the same. Mm-hmm. They're owed $40 like 47 million next year. Right. It's almost the, am I right in saying it's it's almost a a wash? Yeah. So the money is a wash. You're not, you're not planning on playing John wall. So there's really no difference between not paying John wall and not paying Russell Westbrook. You're just not really interested in helping the Lakers. Right. So what would you require if you were Raphael Stone and Rob Blinker called you with this concept? Um, not that I necessarily think that everything will be solved with the Lakers had John Wall, but he's a more of a he's he's the more type of point guard the Lakers need right now as opposed to Russ, I think. I think it might be a slight change that would help them. What would you ask for?
2: 2027 first protected top 2 that rolls over to unprotected in 2028.
0: I don't think it's- the Lakers would do it. <laughs> <laughs> i don't think there's, they not, would do it. there's not much left brian in the kitty <laughs> i mean the, the lakers have a couple of second round picks yeah. would you do it for like two seconds
2: um i probably would consider i mean just because it's, as you said like you're not you know it's like walls are sitting there right it's not like you're playing him so you're basically just swapping a headache for a headache and john hasn't been really a headache but then you got to figure out, all right, what's the buyout going to be for Westbrook as far as, you know, would they even entertain a buyout um, before March, um, before March 1st? And how much is Russ willing to give back?
1: Can you take, uh, what would it take to take like a Taylor Horton Tucker in that deal too?
2: Yeah, you have to probably, you know, he's at right around 10, right? So you got to add a little bit more. Um, it would save, shoot, it would save the Lakers tax from the tax standpoint, maybe is there a five is there like a David Nawaba out there, like a four to five million dollar guy that just to kind of make the money work it would save him a ton. What so that if, would make, what if
0: they what if they gave Kendrick Nunn, Taylor Horton Tucker, and Russell Westbrook and two second round picks for John Wall and Eric Gordon?
2: Ooh, I mean, I followed the Lakers, I'd do that. Yeah, you know, I mean, so for for Houston's perspective, is that you know you get Horton Tucker two second round picks, but what would have you what could what could you get Gordon in a separate deal? Yeah, right. Like right. that's kind of like the the like could you get him to somewhere for a, a future one or something else? So like, th- I would probably want to separate Gordon and Wall together, right? But, but you are getting Horton yeah. Tucker, who you would sort right. of
0: see as you know that compensation. Yep. Tucker and none. Nunn. None's got a player option for next year. So, um, I just like, I don't see like, um, you know, I don't see what other, what it was kind of like, like, you know, wall and Westbrook. I, there was really no trade
2: except for the one for each other. Right. There's, not, now, many bad, there's not many bad $40 million contracts left out there.
0: And, and the situation has only worsened. So now they could get traded for each other again, because again, <laughs> the two teams, who were involved um, uh, realize that it makes more sense to to, this is the best option. So it's wild to think that that could happen, but I mean, I I don't, and I haven't heard just to be clear. I haven't heard any of that at all, but I I don't like, I don't see the other Avenue if the Lakers want to do something there. Um, And of course it's worth pointing out that John Wall's represented by Rich Paul, Um, you know, uh, but I just, I can't see it straight up unless Westbrook sent some sort of message that he would be willing to give back significant money so that he could get bought out and go be a free agent and go somewhere else. And then you could save money. But I, if I was Westbrook, I wouldn't do that. So.
2: Can you imagine Russ on the free agent market in in early March? mm. That'd be interesting.
0: Well, you know, it's just, it was interesting I thought it was very telling uh, Sam Amick from the athletic did an interview with Russ, you know, he's obviously not been playing well. And um, he asked him about how it was going. And, you, you know, he talked about how, well, you know, it's been great to be around my family and I'm sure that's true. I'm sure he loves being in LA, but like, you know, in a professional setting, that's not the answer you want. <laughs> you know, you don't want to, you know, I, I, you know, I hope you're, you know, everybody wants a good work-life balance, but like (laughs) the coming to LA was, was about, was not supposed to necessarily be about being happy with your family living situation. First, he, he will retire and be able to live the rest of his life in Los Angeles. So, um, you know, I actually, I mean, I appreciate West's honesty or uh, Russ's honesty, but it, it was like sobering to say, well, how's your Laker experience going? Well, I, got to be in LA on Christmas, you know, or, you know, it was just like, wow. So, um, I don't know. I was just talking with somebody about that the other day, like what could be done? And I, I just couldn't find another one, Bobby. So, um, but I think Gordon would probably be more feasible if they just did a Gordon trade, uh, which would probably have to be built around Horton Tucker. But then again, uh, if the Rockets decided to trade Gordon, you know i think the calves would be in there uh possibly um but you'd have to be competing with the other um the other uh offers if that was just for gordon so uh, all right bobby and uh thank you so much for being here thank you listen to collective thanks to jackson our producer we will talk to you guys later in the week